Jose, with that, let us let us begin. So we have a lot to do today. Emir Hashem, um, we are picking up. Today's daf is Nemdalid forty-four. We are picking. Sorry, one second. But we are picking up Emir Hashem on Mem Gimel on the base. We are picking up Emir Hashem on forty-three B, and we are picking up. We are picking up the Lukma. The Lukma. It's about uh, 20 lines up from uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26. About 27 lines up from the bottom of us. Remember again, we're speaking about specifically the exemption, or I should say the ability to go back from war for the exemption of a karem, of a, of a, of a vineyard. So the Gemara says, I'm, not, um, I'm sorry, so the Gemara says, uh, Why don't you set it up as dealing with a vineyard that belongs to two partners? Each partner could return for the part of the vineyard which belongs to him. This teaches us This teaches us, we'll say, that a jointly owned vineyard is not a license to return from war. Interesting. So why is it any different than the case of five brothers, right? Where one of the brothers dies, and now again, each of them, each of them technically has a Yibam obligation. And that Yibam obligation allows them to return from the front. In the case of Yibam, every man has a connection to that woman, right? Every brother, every surviving brother has a connection to that sister-in-law. Because in the case of the jointly owned Karen, the jointly owned vineyard, neither party could claim that it is his vineyard in totality. What are we talking about? What's the case? What's the case? We're talking about a situation where someone grafted a tree together. Yarek literally means a vegetable. In this case, ultimately, again, it means, it means an herb. It means an herb. So the Gemara says as follows: If a person grafts a tree with an herb, Rabbi Shimon says that it's motor. Ultimately, who's opinion is this? They will say when it comes ultimately again to the exemption from war, he understands kerem vineyard in a literal sense. Hachanami nata kamashmo. So so to over here he understands nata and against the, for the prohibition as a literal as a literal statement as well. Notea in mavrich umarkivlo. It's tafka only if one plants, but if one layers or one grafts, that is not a reason to be exempted from war. Kesrav dimi arviyochra mishram bilaz ben Yaakov. Yolda pechusa mitefa chayeves ba'arla. So I'll say we're just jumping around a little bit over here. If you have a yolda, yolda, yolda is a small sapling. Pechusa mitefach. So I'll say less than a tefach tall. Look at Rashi. Pechusa mitefach. She shafal koma. It's very short. Velo tigba li olam a tefach. And I'm talking about over here where the growth is never going to exceed a tefach in height. In such a situation like that, Rabbi say it is it is chayeves and arla kol shna Essentially, it never leaves the status of arla. 
Why doesn't it leave the status of our law? Since it always has the appearance of a one-year-old growth, the concern is that if we allow you to go ahead and eat it, what's going to happen? People are going to erroneously assume that one is permitted to consume our law. And that's only if you have like the basic, we'll call it the basic format of a vineyard, which is, or, or of an orchard, which is two, two, and one coming out on the bottom. But if you have an entire vineyard, so to speak, that looks like this, it has a call, right? People know that this is just a vineyard that has stunted growth and not a first year growth. Mace, topes, arba amas, the kiashla. Let's say a mace, if you have a corpse, alt, literally translated, it grabs the arba amos around it for kriyashma. Let's say what that means is not only can you not say kriyashma in direct proximity of the mace, but you can't say dal, you can't say kriyashma within the dalit amos of the mace. Let's say we've been introduced to this concept before. Dechsev loeg larash cherev osehu. So let's say literally it means he who goes ahead and disparages the poor and disparages the poor, right? Ultimately, again, is a degradation to the one who created him. So I said, the idea, we've seen this before in Masech's Brochus. The idea over here is we don't perform mitzvos in close proximity of the dead. Why? Because the dead don't have the ability to perform mitzvos. So it's considered to be an act of disrespect. So the Gemara says over here that when it comes to not saying Kriyashma in the presence of a mace, presence of the mace doesn't literally mean just right in front of the mace, but rather the presence of the mace even means, even means within Dalit Amas of the mace. Very interesting. A stepsister. Well, say technically speaking, a person could marry his stepsister, right? They're not related. They're not related. So the Gemara says, however, a stepsister who grows up amongst the brothers, one cannot go ahead and marry her. Why? Because she looks like a sister. In other words, just the optics of it, because she grew up amongst two brothers, it looks like a sister. To which the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, no, it's actually not a problem. It's not a problem because there's a call. In other words, I will say, people know who real siblings are versus step-siblings. So because people know, even if technically speaking, she grew up in the house, says she can still marry one of the quote-unquote brothers. Of course, it's not really her brother, right? But rather, she can marry one of her step-brothers. Well, this is actually very interesting halacha. In general, leket, shechacha, and peah, right, are, 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 are portions left for the poor. Technically speaking, anything that is left for the poor is tax-exempt. It's tax-exempt. Meaning what? If I'm a poor person, and I go ahead and I collect leket, shechacha, and peah, I don't have to give trumas and maestros from that. Right? There's no obligation like that. However, if you went ahead and sha'asa'an begoren, and I both say, if halacha I went ahead and I piled them together. Now, if you make a pile of leket, shechacha, and peah, then what I both say, so remember, Making a pile of something already has a much more, it appears as if one is harvesting. Well, if you're doing that, then hukva lemaiser. Then you'd indeed have to take trumas and maisers from it. And I will say, the common denominator amongst all things that we're talking about over here are the optics of it. So the idea over here is if you took leket shechan peah, it's not a din in the volume of it. It's a din in the fact that now you went ahead and you piled it, which makes it look like a normative harvest. 
then you're going to be chayv in shumas amaisus. Amar ula lo amar ala besadeh. This is only true if you're piling it in the sadeh in the field. Aval beir, but if you're doing this in the city, kala isle lenosa. People know. But I guess in the city because people dwell a little bit closer together. But if you look at Rashi, Rashi says hukva lemaiser, hukva lemaiser midrabanan. Since you're piling it, it looks like you may have grown this stuff. And since you've grown it, right, it's your produce. And it'll be chayven maiser. Rabigmar qualifies this. This is only in the field. This is only in the field because people in the field don't necessarily know what's going on. In the city, where people, I guess, are probably also going ahead and living closer together. And people see that I didn't grow it. But rather, again, I'm bringing it into my home. There would be no obligation to go ahead and tithe it. Incredible. So the Gemara says as follows. So what's an interesting case? If you have literally, again, a growth that is less than a tefach, this is talking about now kloi hakerem. Right? Remember, again, the forbidden mixture between wheat and vines. Right? Wheat and grapes. So what happens if you have a yolda pechusa mitefach? You have a vine that is less than a tefach. It does not go ahead and create a problem for seeds planted nearby. Rashi says, since the growth is so stunted, essentially, again, Chazal were not gozer kloi hakerem in this type of situation. But that's only true. Where you have a case of, say, you know, two vines, two vines, and one coming out on the bottom. That's like the minimum, the minimum amount that represents a substantive growth. But if you have an entire kerem like this, an entire vineyard, maknish. Indeed, it would become a problem of klaya kerem. I just want to point out, the common denominator, what you said, we went like, what, this is so random. It's just the same author. It's the, right? it's the, it's the same Tano. It's Rabbi Yitzchak, near Rabbi Yochanan, near Rabbi Eliezer, Ben Yaakov. Next case, top of Mandalit. Mace, tofes arba amos letumah. So we'll say, so before we spoke about mace, tofes, arba, amos, the kriyashma, that when you have a corpse, we'll say, top of 44a, when you have a corpse, ultimately, again, that corpse, you cannot recite kriyashma within dalaramas of that corpse. Why? Because the corpse itself, so to speak, seizes the dalaramas around it. So, mace, tofes, arba, amos, the tumah. We'll say, it's not just that, but a mace also, so to speak, takes over the dalaramas around it, for Tumah purposes. What does this mean? Tap Rashi on them, Dalit on Medalit, writes Rashi, Chachamim Gazru, Sheyehei HaMais Metamei Kol HaNichnas Ba'arba Amosov, Kedei Shelo Yargilu Ochle Taros Likarivlo, Ve'esavr Shlohel, Ve'eshlachosh Shema, Shema Yifshot Yadav 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 What's the concern over here? Technically speaking, the only time that a mace conveys Tumah is when? Is when? If you touch it, or if you have Tumas Ohel, you hover over it. Chazal came along, Rabbis came along and said, even if you are within Dalit Amas of a mace, you become Tame. Now they did this, they did this in order to go ahead and essentially add a protective barrier. What were they concerned about? That a person is going to be eating Taras, 
and he's not going to realize, but he's in close proximity of the mace. And I was remember again, how can you contract Tumas Ohel? How can you contract Tumas Ohel? You lean over. So just, person can be in close proximity to the mace, accidentally lean over the grave, and suddenly again, he's tame, he's tame Tumas Mace. So therefore, essentially, in order to create just a protective barrier, in order to go ahead and ensure that people don't inadvertently contract Tumas Mace, Chazal said, you can't get within Dalit Amas of a mace. Can't get, I would say, by the way, of course, the, 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 the metaphor is, is such a beautiful idea in general in life, right? If, if, I, if, I, if, I, if I have a very narrow line between right and wrong, between Tameh and Tahar, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to contract Tameh. You could, you, and I don't, I don't mean halachic tumah, I mean like life tumah. Right? If I'm constantly straddling the line between right and wrong, then by definition I'm going to find myself on the wrong side of that. So much of success in life is all about creating protective barriers, especially in the areas that I know in which I am weak. Right? All of us have our weak spots. So dafka in those weak spots, dafka in those areas in which I struggle most, is where I need my protective barriers most. I have to identify again, where do I struggle? What's the Achilles heel? And how could I say, not just I'm not gonna do it, but what are the protective barriers, the layers that I can place between myself and that hate to ensure that I'm not going to transgress. Chazal added Dalit Amas between myself and the corpse to make sure that I'm not gonna become tummy in life. It's gonna sound strange, but we all have our corpse. Right? We all have that tumor. We all have that tumor that is our greatest source of weakness. Make sure to put down the amas between yourself and that mace. Incredible. The Tanatuna, we learned, Interesting, we'll say, what happens if there is a chatzra keber? Now we'll say, look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says over here, they used to have like catacombs, like burial chambers. And in front of the burial chamber, there was a chatzar, a courtyard, a courtyard that led you into the burial chamber. So says, if you stand in the chatzar, in the courtyard of the keber, you're tar. Bishama says that's assuming that there's Dalit Amas in that Kever. I'm sorry, in that Chatzar. If there's Dalit Amas in that Chatzar, ultimately again, you are going to go ahead and be Tar. Now, what's the logic? Rashi says over here, Ha'omi Besocho Tar, Komakum Shu Omid Batar, Techevan de Maara Chaluka Hemena Umichito Sani Karos, Logoja Banan, Bemesim Shabbosoch, Shitwisu Dalit Amos, Sviho Selatanos. Let's listen to this. That logic behind it is, since, since the catacomb itself, the, gra- right, the gradual area where the, where, the, where the graves are, is separate and distinct, with its own mechitzas, with its own wall, the chatzar is viewed as a separate area. So because the chatzar is viewed as a separate area, if you stand there, you are tahar. Now, B'Shamay says, that's all provided, that Allah said, the chatzar is Dalaramas. Because if the chatzar is Dalaramas, then what? It's considered to be its own distinct area as well. As well. So Basila Omri says not Dalaramas for Tfachim. For Tfachim. But essentially what Rose say, Bisham Basila are agreeing in the, in what? They're agreeing that if you stand in the Khatzer you're not Tame, as long as the Khatzer is considered to be a Khashiv, right, halachically important area on its own. So now the Machlokas is what makes a, an area defined and important on its own. 
Yishamai says, it's got to have an area of Dalat Amis. Basila says, all it needs is an area of Dalat Fachim. Fine. So the Gemara says, when is this true? Right? When, when, when is this so? Right? The Gemara says, This is when the entranceway to the catacomb below is above. Is above. Now, we'll say, now, now what does that mean? So I'll say, interesting enough, there are two ways apparently that you used to enter into these subterranean catacombs. One was essentially there'd be like just like a hole in the ground and you would lower yourself in and, you know, climb out. The other was stairs that would go down like from, uh, from the side. So the Gemara says, so, so, so ultimately, again, the Gemara says, so Basila says, when is, this, when is this so? When ultimately, again, when the entrance into the catacomb is from the top just going down. But ultimately, again, if there's an entrance way to the side, meaning stairs that lead you down, everyone agrees, that you would need at least an area for Amos. In other words, in the Chaser, in order for the Chaser to be considered its own separate and distinct area. To which the Gemara says, I don't understand, I would say just the opposite. Minat Sad, when the entranceway to the catacomb is on the side, so I'll say on the side means it's a slope, there are stairs leading down into the subterranean catacomb. Minat Sad, so Midrat Vinafik, so I'll say, here's the difference, when, the cat, when it's on the side, clearly when it's up, because it's stairs leading down, that means the Chaser is distinct from the graves, right? You're supposed to think about this. You have the chaser, and then what? You're taking stairs into the catacomb, which tells you that where is the catacomb? In a separate area from the chaser. So it makes much more sense to say in that situation there's not a problem of tumah. However, again, vilamala, if literally the, the, the entranceway to the catacomb is just like a hole in the ground and you're just going in, what does that mean? The chaser is situated right on top of the catacomb. That should be a problem of Tumah. When is this so? So I'll say, when is this so? Ultimately, again, that as long as the Chatzra has a certain requisite area, you're not going to contract Tumah. That's when the entranceway to the catacomb is on the side. But everyone agrees that if the entranceway is on top, i.e. it's just a hole and you descend down, Arba Amos, that the Chatzra must have a minimum amount of four Amos. So as we both say, even Basilel, who says that the Chatzra only needs to be Fort Tzvachim in order for the person standing there not to contract Tumah, that's only in a situation where the entrance way to the catacomb is on the side, and therefore you could stand on the Chatzar or in the Chatzar without standing on top of the graves. But if the entranceway is just straight down, right, then even Basilel would agree that the Chatzra has to be at least Talbot Amas in order for you not to contract Tumah. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Vahaniri, Chatzar Keber, Demesayma Mechitsasa. I would say, but even this is so, even all of this is only with a Chatzar, with a defined Keber, with a defined Keber. But just stam Amas, or just stam, you have a body that's buried somewhere, or even a body that's not buried somewhere. Says, but a mace ultimately, again, by itself, will always seize the Dalit Amas around it. And I will say that is indeed how we pass in both for Kriyashma as well as for Tumah. That if you have a body, whether that body is buried or unburied, that body, that body exerts its influence, so to speak, 
within the Dalit Amas around. So he would not be permitted to say Kriyashma within Dalit Amas of Ames, and ultimately again there would be Rabbinic Tumah within Dalit Amas of Ames as well. Okay, incredible. We'll say back back to our Sugya. Mia Ish Asher Aras Isha. So must remember again, one of the exemptions was a man who went ahead and did Arisin, but didn't get to Nisuin. Right, he didn't live with his wife. So what's Talacha? He goes back. He goes back. So it's on Aras, so Asher Aras, so we'll say this is true whether he had Erisim with a Basula or Erisim with an Amano or for that matter even again Shomer Sevam he's going to marry his widowed sister-in-law and we'll say we just mentioned this before even if he had five brothers right, and one of them died in, in war Kulan Chodron they all go back but supposing they all go back because they're, they're all considered to be someone so to speak who has Erisim, right, for the Shomeris Yavam. So the Gemara says, right, Kulan Chosrin, lo lakach, so remember again, the Pasuk is, just the Pasuk Gemara is quoting is, Mia ish asher aras isha, velo likacha. Who is the man who betrothed the woman, but lo likacha, did not take her, right? he did, did not do any soon, he didn't live with her. So the Gemara just points out, it doesn't say lo lakach, but rather it says lo likacha, he did not take her. So prat li amar la coin gadol grusha vechalutz la coin head yot mamzeres from the sin ali yisrael basua mamzenasin. So what is this? Why does the Torah employ this lashon? Lo lekacha means he did not yet do nisuin with her, and nisuin with her would be legal nisuin. What does this come to exclude? This comes to exclude right a coin gadol who did who did kiddushin with an amana or a regular coin who did kiddush with a grusha vechalutza. Or a mamzeres, or an asina Yisrael. So I will say it comes to exclude in a legal marriage, in a legal marriage. To which the Gemara says, "Limud lo krabi yosei So I will say apparently this is not just the Rabbi Yosei Lili. It's in the conversation we had yesterday. What does Rabbi Yosei Lili say? Rabbi Yosei Lili ha'amar hayare v'rachalevav zeh misar me'aver shodah. We're going to see if this is our next Mishnah. Rabbi Yosei Lili is the opinion who says that when the Torah says, "If you're afraid, afraid of what? Afraid of averus." In these cases, you should be able to go back. So let's just play this out. In other words, we just said, when the Pasuk says, Asher what the Torah is saying is, you only go back for a wife who you are permitted to marry. But if you're not permitted to marry the wife, you don't go back. You don't go back. So the Gemara says, this stands in contradiction to Yosef Lili. Because Yosef Lili is the one who says that if you are scared about your Averos, you can go back from war. Now, I will say, this is a situation of an Avera, a Kohen Gadol, who did, who did Kiddushin with an Amana, or a Kohen Hedyot, who did Kiddushin with a Grusha or a Chalutza. This is an Avera. They should be able to go back. Yet, the Gemara says, no, they can't go back for such a situation like this. So, obviously, it doesn't reflect the view of Rabbi Yossi, uh, of Rabbi Yossi Alili, to which the Gemara says, no, no, no. I feel the Rabbi Yossi Alili, Kidrabah. The olam So we'll say this is fascinating. Rabbah holds that in cases of a legal marriage, it's fascinating. When do you transgress, right, the performance of an illegal marriage or engaging in a legal marriage? Only after relations. Interesting. So in other words, the act of kiddushin in an illegal marriage is not the avera. It's the act of relations, the act of bia. The Gemara says... Why does the Torah say ultimately you can't take this woman? 
ultimately, again, because it profanes the offspring. Therefore, Mishum Hachi, Loka Achievel. Since the whole issue with an illegal marriage is what? Profanation of offspring. That is a brand new word, right? Brand new word, right? Profanation, I think is a brand new word. Profanation, right? Profaning, profaning offspring, right? Called profanation. Right? So, so the Maisa again, so the Maisa, therefore, the Isser is only when there's BS. Well, it's actually quite fascinating. So, let's play this out. So now you have, right, the soldiers are ready for war. You have a Kohen who is there. And this Kohen betrothed, did Kiddushin with a Grusha, a divorcee. Illegal. Illegal. So, the, so, now both saying, so now the Gemara is saying he can't go back on grounds of marriage, right? Why can't he go back on grounds of marriage? Why not? Because the only time we're allowed to go back for grounds of marriage is for a legal marriage. I says the Gemara, but he should be able to go back it, because of Avera. But going this way, Yosef Lili says if he's afraid of his Avera, he should, be able to, he should be able to go back because of an Avera. To which the Gemara says, technically, no. He hasn't committed an Avera yet. Like Rabbi says, why? When, when, is the, when is the Avera for an illegal marriage committed? When it's consummated. Bia, relations. It's interesting. The act of Kiddushin itself is not the Avera. It's the act of consummation of the marriage. Relations, Bia, that's the Avera. Quite incredible. We are now on Memdalal Medalif. Rashi, remember, again, is on both sides of this page. So if you look at Rashi on the left-hand column, where you see the big Masnisin there, that Rashi, we are right across from there in the Gemara. So let's analyze. Well, the Gemara teaches us all. Asher Bana, Asher Nata, Asher Aras. So let's say this is an incredible Gemara. So Gemara says as follows. When you look at the list of exemptions, the list of exemptions, right? What's the order of the exemptions? Who is the person who built a home? Who is the person who planted a vineyard? Who is the person who got married? Who got married? So I'll say these are the list of, ex- of, of exemptions. So the Gemara says, Limda Torah Derech I will say, the Torah could have employed any order. Any order. It's interesting that the order is, who is the guy who built a house? Who is the guy who planted a vineyard? Who is the guy who married a woman? So what do you see from here? Limda Torah Derech Eretz, Sheyivna Adam Bayis, V'yita Kerem, Isha. An interesting order, right? What's the proper order for life? First, the person should go out and build a house, right? Have a place to live. Then a person should plant a vineyard, have a parnasa. And then after you have a house, and after you have a parnasa, then you should get married. Okay. Soto Shlomo said, So Shlomo said, What's here? I was quoting from the Pasuk in Mishle. So literally translated, I'll say, literally translated means, Hachin Bachutz Malachtacha. Prepare, prepare your parnosa, your livelihood on the outside. Prepare yourself or busy yourself with your field. Then after all of that, you will build your home. The Gemara says, Prepare your malacha. Prepare your malacha. That's bias. That refers to the building of a home. And busy yourself in the field. That refers to your vineyard, i.e. your parnosa. Ubanisa beischa, build your home, Zoisha. Zoisha, that refers to wife. So we'll say, so I'll point out, it's fascinating. In other words, okay, so the truth is, it's kind of intuitive. In other words, right? Have a place to live, make money, make money, and then get married. That way you can support your wife. Okay, we'll say, on a deeper level, what it also means is as follows. 
in a marriage, in a marriage, we all know this, right? We all know this, that sometimes one of the greatest stressors are finances. Our finances, right? Nothing could destroy shalom bias like stress over finances. So I'll say what the, what, what the Gemara is also saying is sometimes if a person enters into marriage with a financial plan, then ultimately, again, that gives them a better probability ultimately of going ahead and building proper shalom bias. Again, I'll say it is interesting, by the way, how some of these things which seemed so obvious for Chazal are so foreign to us now, which is just, 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 again, it's, it's just society, it's not, it's just societally how things shift in such fascinating ways. Okay, good. Let's go weiter. So, you must have a question. Ultimately, again, prepare, prepare your malach on the outside. What does this mean? Zem mikra. This refers to chumish. Va'atata besadalach, and busy yourself in the field. Zem mishna. So the Gemara says, Achar ubanisa besech, then afterwards build your home. Ze Gemara. So we'll say another homiletic interpretation. First learn chumish, then learn mishna, and then learn Gemara. Davar achar, achin bechutz malachtacha. Go ahead and literally prepare, right? Prepare on the outside your work. Ze mikra umishna. That refers to Chumash and Mishnah. Va'atata b'sada l'cha. That refers to Gimara. Achar ubanisa b'secha. Then build your home. Ilu ma'isim tovim. Beautiful. That refers to good deeds. That refers to good deeds. Now, as you say, it's such a it's such such a beautiful idea, right? Your malacha, right? Begin with your malacha, your work. That's mikra. That's that's Chumash and Mishnah. Plow your field, right? That's ultimately Gimara. And build your home. As you say, that's ma'isim tovim. That's good deeds. See, learning is not an ends. Learning is a means to engaging in beautiful, dynamic activity. That's called the building of your home. So do your work, plow your field, that's all of your Torah. And then build your home, that's your Maisen Tobin. That, that's your good deeds. So beautiful. Prepare. Your malacha on the outside, Zem Mikra Mishnah Ugimara. Interesting. That's Torah. Chumish Mishnah Gimara. Va'atata Besadalacha. That refers ultimately again to your Maisim Tovim. Good deeds. Acho Banisabesacha. Then go ahead and build your home. Drosh the Kabaschar. So also what is Drosh the Kabaschar? That means look for even deeper meaning in your learning. Right, so I'll say what that means is actually beautiful. What, what's the what's the shot in this last one? So I'll say in this last one, in this last one. You have hachim b'chutz malachtacha, right? Prepare your work on the outside. That refers to Torah. Mikra, Mishnah, Gimara. Atadab Sada, plow your field. That's Maisim Tovim. And then build your home. Look for deeper meaning in your learning. In other words, are both saying, what is it saying? Always go for more. In other words, one, what, you see, in the previous drasha, in the previous drasha, where kind of does it end? It ends at Maisim Tovim, right? You have, you have Mikra, Mishnah, Gimara. Learn your Torah. Allow your Torah to manifest itself in dynamic life activity. And that, that's the finish line. In this last drasha, I was saying, there's never a finish line. What do you do? You learn your Torah. You use your Torah to create Maisim Tovim. And after you've learned Torah and done Maisim Tovim, then what? Drosh V'Kabal Schar. Look for deeper meaning in your Torah as well. Or in other words, you're never done. You're never done. I will say, people often ask, right? What's the finish line? Simple answer is, there is no finish line. Now, there's a time in which you're finished running the race, right? When do you finish running the race? That's after 120. You're finished running the race. But at no point in time in life do you ever cross the finish line. Now, again, you may, you may, you know, I'll say, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, like, um, I guess the best muscle 
is like the car races, right? Like the, right? like the what do they call the car? Um, like NASCAR, right? Right, like NASCAR. Right? In other words, you have laps. You have laps, right? So in other words, in life, in life, you finish like laps, right? Okay, Mazel Tov. You finish lap number one. You finish that. In other words, there are increments of completion, but in terms of when you finish the race, the race is never finished. Even after 120. Usually the race isn't finished. It's just someone stopped you in the race, right? Okay, you're done. You're done. You're done with the laps. Did I finish everything? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But I will say, it's such an incredible yisod. So after you do your mikra, your mishnah, your gemara, after you do your meisim tovim, you might have thought, ah, I finished? No, drosh v'kabal schar. Drosh v'kabal schar means what's next? What's more? How can you look for something deeper? How can you look for something greater? How can you look for something more expansive? Drosh V'Kabal Schar represents the ongoing journey in spiritual development. Incredible. Eilu Shenechol. So we'll say, these are the people who do not return from war. So we'll say, remember again, then the Gemara gave examples, ultimately again, for example, of buildings, structures that are not domicile worthy, and therefore again, one can't return from the war for them. One of the examples we'll say, someone who knocks down a home, and rebuilds the exact house. Rebuilds the exact house. You don't return back for war from that. However, however, if you add on one row of bricks, right, or one row of stones, either in height or in width. In other words, if you knock down your house and you build, rebuild the same structure, but you make a wall a little taller, a wall a little thicker, that's called a new structure, and that would allow you to return for more. Rabbi Lezer, Omer, Afabona, Ba'is, Levana, Bishar, and Lohaya, Choser. Rabbi Lezer said, even if you build a brick home, brick Lavenim, sorry, a, a brick home in the Sharon region, you don't return back for more from that. Why not? I will say first white line, Tana, because we spoke on this in Rashi already, because Lamais, again, the, the, the earth in the Sharon region was not good for making bricks. Right? It was not good for making bricks, and therefore, again, any structure you made from Sharonian bricks would crumble. They would have to rebuild their home twice every seven years, once every three and a half years. Shalomai said, because of that, it wasn't really called damasal worthy, and therefore, you cannot return for war from that. Then remember again, third category, third category are people who don't even leave their homes. To, so remember, so remember again, in category number two, Right, category number one is everyone who comes out to war. Category number two are the exemptions. In the case of the exemptions, the guy married a woman but did not live with her. Built a home, didn't live in it. Planted a vineyard, didn't yet partake of it. Everybody's going out to war, right? And at the border, when the Mashuach Muhammad gives his first speech and lists all of the exemptions, what do they do? They go home. And what do they do when they go home? What do they do? They support the war effort, right? With food, with drink, with roads, fine. Third category are people who do not even come out. Right? That's the guy who married a woman and he's in Shana Rishona, first year of marriage. Built a home, Shana Rishona. Partaking of a vineyard, Shana Rishona, first year. These guys, they don't even come out. Right? They don't even come out. They don't even report for duty. So turn around, Isha Chadasha, a new wife, Eni Alechi Isha Chadasha. Eli Nobel says, Isha Chadasha sounds like a basula. Right? Amana how do we know that if a man married, a widow, or divorcee, the same halacha applies. If he's in Shana Rishona the first year, right, the first year of his marriage to a widow or to a divorcee, he doesn't have to go to war. Tamad Lomar, Isha Mikol Makom. Pasek says, Isha, MK Ma Tamad Lomar, Isha Chadasha. So why does the Pasek say a new wife? Misha Chadasha Lo. 
It means a new wife for him. Or as we both say, even though someone has been married before, she's a new wife for him. This comes to exclude what case? A man remarries his divorcee. If you remarry your divorcee, that's not an, that's not an excuse not to go to war. Both say, again, in the wide lines, third line, in the wide lines, halfway through the line. Turn on, Bano. Lo yetsi, but Savi doesn't go out to war. Yochab but Savi do lo yetsi, but Yaspik Mayim and Malzon be attacking a drachim. So I say so again. Remember, we're talking about these people who are in the midst of Shana Rishon, a first year, first year of marriage, first year of new house, first year of new vineyard. So the Torah says they don't get out, they don't go out to war. I might have thought they don't go out to war in the army, but they help the war effort at home. Right? Talmud Lomar v'lo yavor alav lechol davar. No, he's not involved in anything. Not involved in anything. I might have thought, therefore, to apply this same halacha, we'll say, to a man who betrothed a woman but didn't yet marry her, built a home but didn't yet live in it, planted a vineyard but didn't yet partake of it. Maybe these guys don't go out to war and don't help out in the war effort either. Therefore, the puzzle is not only on this guy, the aforementioned guy. I love you, Atamavir. Aval Atamavir, Alachirim. So we'll say it's only on this unique individual, right? These three individuals: Shana Rishon of marriage, Shana Rishon of new house, Shana Rishon of new vineyard. These are the guys who don't even come out at all. But everyone else comes out, goes out to war, is returned home because they have an exemption and supports the war effort from home. After the Pasuk says, don't place any responsibility on him. Why does it say, don't go out in war? To teach you, say that if he does go out, ultimately, again, he's in violation of two prohibitions. So it turns out that we pretty much have these three categories of people. We'll call it regular guys who go out to war. Regular guys who go out to war. Right? Category number two are people who have a man who has betrothed the woman, right, Kiddushin, but no Nisuin, hasn't lived with her, built a home, hasn't lived in it, planted a vineyard, hasn't partaken of it. These guys go out to war, right, up until the border, and then they're turned back. Then they go home. They go home. And I will say, once they go home, what do they do? They support the war effort from home. Third category is a guy who's in Shunnery Shunner, first year of marriage, first year of living in a new home, first year partaking of a new vineyard. These individuals, they don't go out. They don't go out. They stay put. They don't go out. And not only that, they have no obligation. They don't have any obligations upon them. They do not even work to support the war effort at home. Fine. One more piece to this. Mishnah. Was it incredible? So we'll say, so the officers continued to go ahead and speak to the nation. And we'll say, what did they say? They said, Who is the person who is afraid and soft of heart? Go home. Go home. Okay, so I'll say, so now this is the, this is now another category of exemptions. If you are afraid or soft of heart. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva says, so I'll say, what does it mean? Rabbi Kiva says, Rabbi Kiva says, you don't need to interpret this in any deeper way. What does it mean to be afraid? What does it mean to be afraid? He's afraid. He's afraid. I'll say again, he's unable to stand in battle and unable to see an unsheathed sword. Right? The guy is just, again, He's just afraid. He's afraid of war. Rabbi Yosei, I'll leave the Omer, no. Incredible. Rabbi Yosei says, no. What is he afraid of? He say, he's afraid that he does not possess the requisite merit to be successful on the battlefield. He is afraid of the Averos Shabiyado. Right? He's afraid of the Averos that he has. 
right? Lefichach Tosalo Atara is called Elu Shachzor B'Glon. So it's incredible. Rabbi Yosef Lili says, this is the, la- remember again, there's an order, right? Rabbi Yosef, what's the order? First, we talk about the exemptions for a guy who built a house, right? Who married a woman, built a house, planted a vineyard. Then we say, if you're scared, what's the great part? When you go home, when you go home, no one knows why you're going home. I mean, your buddies might know why you're going home. They're like, hey, you didn't just get married. You didn't build a house. You didn't plant a vineyard, right? So I guess, so again, but stam, stam, people are not going to know why it is that you're going home. That way you have cover. You have cover. So you see from here, by the way, how important it is to go ahead and right, protect a person's dignity. Right? How important it is just to protect a person's covet. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, right? Rabbi Yossi seems to be giving examples of Averus. His examples are illegal marriages. He says, this is an example of someone who would be afraid because of the Averos he possesses. The Imar is going to ask what exactly is the difference between Rabiosi and Rabiosi Haglili. We'll discuss this. So that, that's the exemption. That's the exemption ultimately again for Averos. For Averos. So again, the Gemara says, So we'll say now that the children finished their whole drush. So we'll say, so now the speaking part, right? The pre-war, the pre-war drushes are over. Now what happens? They would set up officers in the front of the nation and in the back of the nation. So what happens? So the Gemara says, Sorry. Um, they would go ahead and they would put strong officers in the front. And we're going to see the point of the strong officers in the front was that if soldiers fell, they would pick them back up. Right? Literally, literally and figuratively. Literally pick them up and give them and give them chizik. Now they would also station officers on the back of the army. Why? They had iron clubs in their hands. And I will say, if somebody tried to run away from the army, the guys in the back would literally, again, club them in the feet, club them in the legs. And I will say, so pretty intense. Why? The Gemara says, Amad Beis, Shetchilas. Shetchilas. Shetchilas Nisa Nefila. Ultimately, I will say, why? Now, literally translated, it means the beginning of running away is downfall. We're going to see exactly what that phrase means. Shnei Amar, Nasi Yisrael Lefnei Plishtim, Vegam Agifa Gidola Hai Sabaam. Ula Lanu Omer, Vayanusu Anshe Yisrael Lefnei Plishtim, Vayiplu Chalolim. In other words, if the army begins to run away, that is the beginning of the defeat of the nation. So therefore, Rabbi say it's incredible. In other words, you had an opportunity to leave, just to be clear, right? Every soldier had an opportunity to leave. So that's why, again, that's why that last one, if you're afraid, if you're afraid and you don't want to fight, we don't want you there. We absolutely do not want you there. Right? But Lamaisa, once you're there, once you're there, you're there. And I will say, again, for the benefit of the army in totality, no deserters. You cannot run away. And if you try to run, we're essentially going to cut off your legs. That's essentially what happens, right? You're going to get clubbed in the legs, and that's it. Why? Well, say, this is an incredible So You say to yourself, poor guy, is he scared? He's getting clubbed in the legs. We'll say, sometimes the needs of the collective outweigh the needs of the individual. I understand you're scared, 
But right now, the army needs to win the battle. And if your buddies see you running away, it's going to be detrimental to the war effort. So if it means you're going to cut off your legs, right? Club your legs, that's it. That's what I said. The needs of the collective outweigh the needs of the individual. So the Gemara goes back to Ben When is this so? I'm say now. When, when, when is what so? I was going to say, when is it so that you have all of these exemptions from battle, right? Whether it's the guy who went ahead and built the house, got married, built a vineyard, right, planted a vineyard, all this stuff. The Mochemes HaRoshos. I was say, this is incredible. This is all talking about optional wars. We'll talk about that in a moment. So the Gemara says, about Mochemes Mitzvah. I was say, when it is, when it is a, an obligatory war, everyone goes to war. HaKol Yotzin. Even the chassan from his bridal canopy. The expression is not literal. Because again, in the Jewish army, women did not historically go out to war. So it's just an expression. It's an expression that everyone goes out to battle. Marashah says what it means is means that the women would be involved in the war. They would be supporting the war effort, again, from a logistical perspective, but not actually fighting the battles. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, when is this so? So Rabbi Yehuda uses a different lashon. He says, when is this so that there are exemptions? Ultimately, again, but when it comes to an obligatory war, everyone goes out. So we'll discuss the difference in the lashonos. Right? We'll see they're, they're in fact saying the same thing just using different phraseology. So I will say, a really incredible and fascinating Mishnah, but just kind of going back, this concept of exemptions only applies to what we'll call optional wars. Optional wars. The Mechemes Mitzvah, which is an obligatory war, ultimately, again, everyone goes out. It doesn't matter, you marry, you marry, no differences, no exemptions from Mechemes Mitzvah. So let's analyze. So I will say, my Ika, my Ika, my Ika, so remember again, going back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah was speaking about a person who, who is exempt from war because he's Zare and Rach Levav. He's afraid. He's afraid. So the Gemara said, Rabbi Yosef said, what is he afraid of? He's afraid of his Averos. Averos Shabiyado. Then Rabbi Yossi said, for example, Rabbi Yossi said, like a Kohen married to Grusha Bechalutza. Kohen Gadol married to an Ammana. You saw married, so what's like, they seem to be saying the same thing. What, what's the disagreement? So what's the, listen to this. Ika benayu, avera dirabanon. Wow. They will say, you know what they're arguing about? For example, an avera dirabanon. They will say, what, what does that mean? See, if you notice, by the way, let's work backwards. Rabbi Yossi gave examples of what? Averos do'oraisa. A Kohen Gadol marrying an Ammana. Kohen Hedyot marrying Grusha Bechalutza. Those are averos do'oraisa. Kohen Rabbi Yossi. The only type of Avera which would preclude you from going to war is an Avera Oraisa. According to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, even if you're worried about your Averos Dirabonon, you would not go out to war. Now, Bosei, I just want to point out, you read this, and what do you think of yourself? What do you think of yourself? This army probably didn't have a Mizuman, right? Bosei, <laughs> I don't understand, right? This is the criteria for going out to war? Yes. Who, who's scared of the Averos? Uh, I'm, I'm scared of my Averos, right? Forget, forget about my, I can't even, I'm not even up to my Dirabanans, right? I'm so worried about my Do'oraisas. So who is going out to war? So I will say, look at the Lashon of the Mishnah. What does Rabbi Yosef really say? He says, who is the person who is, who is afraid? Minaveros Shebiyado. I will say, what does Shebiyado mean? What does Shebiyado mean? You're holding on to them. In other words, suppose we're talking about a person... There's a very easy way for me to deal with my Averas. What is it called? What is it called? 
Tshuva. And what does Tshuva do? Rebbe will say Tshuva removes the Averos. Averos Shebiyado means my problem is not that I've done Averos. We've all done Averos. The problem is Averos Shebiyado. Averos that I'm holding on to, that I'm still doing, that I have not done Tshuva for. That's where the problem comes up. That's about where I'm still holding on to it. It's a very shabiyado. Shabiyosikalili says, You have a very shabiyado. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. You got to really think about it. Is it a good idea for you to be part of the fighting army? Is it a good idea for you to go out to war or not? That you did Averos? All of us do Averos. But I both say, What's my goal? What's my goal? In the immediate aftermath of an Avera, what should I be doing? What should I be doing? Chuba. And I both say, By the way, Chuba on its most basic level is a cognitive, emotional process. I'm sorry that I did this. I should not have done it. I regret that I did it, and I'm going to be better going forward. Boom! That's tshuva. That's tshuva. So if you've done your tshuva, you feel confident going out to battle. The challenge is with the guy who's living life with Averos Shebiado. You're holding on to this stuff, and you're not rectifying it. I'm holding on to it, and I'm not going through the process of tshuva. So if, you're, if I'm holding on to Avero Shebiyado, and not doing tshuva, I'm just holding on to those behaviors, maybe a good idea not to go out to our boss. Incredible. All that Kaddish Baruch who asks is do tshuva. Is do tshuva, right? Recognize what you've done, own it, own it, have remorse for having done it, and pledge to do better in the future. That's it. If you do that, slate is wiped clean, you are ready to go. But Avera Shabiyado, you want to hold on to your sins. You're not willing to give them up. You're not willing to do tshuva. And Achnar Yosef says, turn around and go back home. So the Gemara says, Kiman What's an example? What's an example? Whose opinions reflected here? What's like, get ready for this. Sach, If you speak when putting on your tefillin, the person speaks between putting on their tefillin, shall yad and their tefillin, shall rosh, the hand tefillin and the head tefillin. Avera Hubiyado. This is an Avera. This is an Avera. The Choser Alem Archa Machama. I will say this is, type of, uh, this is the type of an Avera that's what? Don't go to war. Wow. Wow. If you talk while putting on your tefillin, that is the type of Avera for which you should not go out to battle. Kiman, I will say whose opinion is reflected there? That's Kibiyosek Lili. Because I will say again, that would make sense because according to Rabbi Yossi, you need like real Averos Da'oraisa. Rabbi Yosef Lili says, no, even Averos Terabanon are enough to allow you to go. If you speak between putting on Tfilon Shehat, Tfilon Shalrosh, ultimately, again, that's enough to go ahead and turn you around. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Tana, let's finish the practice. I want to tell you something about that very quickly. So, man, Tana, Lu, Tana, Rabbanon, Shama, Kol, Kronos, Versia, Versia. Let's say a person heard the horns of the opposing army and he got scared. Hagafas, Trisin, Versia. He heard the clanking of the shields. He got scared. Tzich, Tzuch, Charabos. Here is the clatter, right? The, sorry, the glitter of the swords. And ultimately, again, Umayim shows his And literally, again, he, he soils himself, right? He soils himself because he's so scared. Choser, go back home. So, Kiman, so Kiman, who is that like? Let Rabbi Akiva, even Rabbi Yosekhalila. Both Rabbi Akiva, because Rabbi Akiva is the one who said that Yore and Rachel literally means what? A guy who's scared. To which Kimar says, no, no, no. Bahatha Rabbi Yosekhalila, Modi. Even Rabbi Yosekhalila would agree in that case. That you should go home. Why? Even Rabbi Yosef Lili says, well, say, if a guy is mamish scared, mamish scared, to the point that literally, again, he can't take the noise of the opposing army, he's soiling himself because he's so scared, even Rabbi Yosef Lili agrees, go home. 
Why? Because you are a detriment to the war effort, right? Remember again, soldiers have to inspire confidence in one another, and this guy clearly does not do that. So I say, The phrase of says shouldn't be because the beginning of fleeing is downfall, rather it should be what? The beginning of downfall is fleeing. To which the Gemara says, you're right. By the way, is that not a profound statement? Right? The beginning of downfall is fleeing. But I will say, it's not just true in war, but it's true in life as well. The beginning of life downfall is when you run away from your problems and challenges. It's so hard to confront sometimes the demons that we have. It's so hard to confront the skeletons in the closet. And it's hard to confront the life challenges we have. And it's so tempting to run. But just know, the Gemara says, Tchilas nefila nisa. The beginning of downfall, the beginning of defeat, is ultimately running away. It's not just true in war, but ultimately true in life as well. They're saying the same thing, just using, this, just using different words. That's what Rabbi Yehuda calls a Mechemes Mitzvah. Mitzvah Drabanon, the Mechemes Mitzvah Drabanon, Zoe Chov Rabbi Yehuda. That's called the obligatory word Rabbi Yehuda. So we'll say, we'll give examples. Mechemes Yehoshua Lechabesh, Lechabosh Debiah Kol Chova. Everyone agrees, well, for example, when Yoshua came into Eretz Yisrael and conquered the land, everyone agrees that's a Melchemes Mitzvah, or what we'll call an obligatory war, right? Based David Levacha, when David Levacha wanted to expand the territorial, right, the territorial borders of Eretz Yisrael, that's Rishos, optional, optional. Keep Ligi, most is fascinating. Where's the Machlokes? Lemeute Obdei Kochavim, Telo Leisi Alayhu. I will say, here is the Machlokas. What about a proactive, a proactive offensive war to minimize surrounding enemies? Right? An offensive war to minimize enemies. So I will say, ultimately, what do you call that? What do you call that? Mar Kari Le Mitzvah. One calls that a Mechemes Mitzvah. Because again, these are enemies of Cloud Israel. You're just proactively eliminating them. Umar Kari Rishos. And one calls it an optional war. Nafkamina would be, right, if you're engaged in this type of battle, are you potter from other mitzvahs? So bottom line for our purposes, the exemptions, the exemptions that we're talking about are all in what we'll call a mechames rishos. That's the lexicon we use. That's the verbiage we use. Mechames rishos. Mechames rishos means it's a war that is waged with the permission of Basin of the Sanhedrin, but it's not a, it's not a war commanded by God. David HaMelech wants to expand the territorial borders of Eretz Yisrael. That's fine, right? That's called the Mechemes Rishos. That's where all the exemptions sit in. But Mechemes Mitzvah, like a war against Amalek, a war to conquer Eretz Yisrael, that everyone goes to battle. I will say just very quickly, in the, one, in the negative one minute that we have, I will say, what's the pshat? What's the pshat with the fact that talking between Tfilin Shad and Tfilin Shalrosh Ultimately, is a reason to go back from battle. What's what's the what's the pshat with that? So, Moshe Rabbeinu explains this idea very beautifully. See, tefillin. The beauty of tefillin is it's the connection between thought and action. I will say many times in life we have beautiful ideas, goals, aspirations, hashkafas. What's the problem? They live in my head, but they they don't materialize in my in my actions. So, I will say the goal of tefillin is a linkage between thought and action. I have to live what I believe. It's not enough in life to have beliefs. You're, you have to actually live those beliefs. You believe in something, you have certain hashkapas, you have certain ideals, 
Those have to find expression in the way you live your life. What's the problem with a guy who speaks between Tfilin Shayan and Tfilin Sharosh? There's a disconnect between what he believes and how he lives. A disconnect between his shalyad and his shalrosh. I have my beliefs, but my beliefs are not manifest in the way that I live. Hashbarah who says, there's a disconnect between the way you think and the way you live. Better not to go out to battle. Better for you to stay home. On the front, in the war, in the battle, we need people who are consistent, who live their ideals, who live their beliefs, and whose very ideals and beliefs are manifest in the way that they practice, in the way that they live each and every day. That's a soldier that's a person who's going to be successful in the battlefield, and that's ultimately, again, the person we need on the front lines.